Go to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. I'm going to show you without a doubt what makes Christianity different from all other religions. And I throw Christianity in that using the term religion because at maybe once, maybe twice, the Bible does call Christianity religion, calls it a pure religion and undefiled. But uh, let me tell you, um, we've got it over all those other isms, whether it's Hinduism, Confucianism, Islamism, ism, ism, Confucian, I already said Confucianism, Buddhism. I told a guy years ago, asked me, he said he was a Buddhist, and he said, would you ever consider being a Buddhist? And I said, absolutely not. Well, why is that? I said, I wouldn't listen to a man that's 400 pounds and he teaches on self-control. <laughs> that's awful, you saying something like, I know it was, pray for me. That wasn't very caring and feeling. I know that. Um, Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. Paul writes and says that I may know him, meaning Jesus, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Paul writes this. 20 to 30 years after he has been converted. And he still, the thought within his heart is that I may know him. Men, how many of you, husbands, how many of you are still trying to figure your wife out lo these many years? <laughs> Don't you raise your hand. That's what they're doing. Uh, and versa visa. That's true. Um, Paul's saying that I may know him. He's saying I haven't arrived yet. I haven't attained yet. There's things I don't know yet. The person that's converted and he's got it all figured out, even if you've been saved 20 or 30 years, not really. Paul's saying, and this is the guy that writes two-thirds of the New Testament, and he's saying... I still don't have it all figured out yet. I'm still trying to learn more about who Jesus is. Bow your heads with me, please. Father, we thank you, God, for another opportunity to be able to preach the unsearchable riches that is in Jesus Christ. And thankful, God, for the faith and, Lord, the calm assurance that I have in my soul that eternity and heaven is mine someday because of who Jesus, of who you are, and your gift to me. In Jesus' name we're praying, amen. <clears throat> if I had to choose one word that separates Christianity from everything else, it would be resurrection. Resurrection. I've used this illustration before. We could have a, um, we could have this right here. It's got the three legs on it. The Bible talks about the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. 
All three are important. And it's, it's kind of sad, even in the soul-winning atmosphere of what this church is, that many times we will, we will major on the death of Jesus. We will talk a lot about the burial of Jesus. But even in soul-winning many times, we never even mention the resurrection of Jesus. And that should be one of the things that we definitely mention. Because what that does, that puts it in the hearts of every person there. This thing is not dead. What he's talking about is alive. See, Jesus give his last will and testament to the church and then resurrected to make sure that it was fulfilled. Nobody else can do that other than Jesus. 1 Corinthians 15, that Christ died for our sins that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. If there is no resurrection, there is no gospel. If there is no gospel, there is no good news. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. Thomas Jefferson, our third president, intellectual man, gifted man, he writes his own version of the Gospels. You can find this. He, can, he just as a, put them all four Gospels together, and, it, and what he done, he wrote the humanitarian side of Jesus, the, the philosophical side of Jesus, but he edited out every miracle that the Gospels talk about. And how his book ends is this way. There they laid Jesus and rolled a large stone at the mouth of the tomb, and then they departed. End of book. But that's not what Matthew said. Matthew said, so they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. But wait, there's another chapter. Because that's Matthew 27. Matthew 28 says, fear not, he is not here, he is risen. Mark says in Mark 15, they laid Jesus in a tomb and rolled a stone over the door. But wait, there's another chapter in that book. Because in chapter 16, the angel said, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. Luke, in Luke 23, said, they laid the body of Jesus in a sepulcher that was hewed in stone. But wait, there's another chapter because in Luke 24, the angel said, why do you seek the living among the dead? John writes in John 19, they laid Jesus in the garden tomb, but wait, there's another chapter because in John 20, Simon Peter and John went into the sepulcher and saw and believed. The resurrection is a stamp of approval that the Father gave his Son on everything that Jesus ever did. You watch these guys sometime on the History Channel. Oh, the Gospels really never, they really never tell about the resurrection. Are you kidding me? 
There's just one guy in particular. I can't think of his name. He's a weasel-looking guy if there ever was one. Never really talks about, no, that guy, that guy don't know what he's talking about. The resurrection is a validation of everything Jesus did. Without the resurrection, there is no gospel. I've already said it. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. In Acts chapter 2, Simon Peter preaches a sermon on the resurrection. In Acts chapter 4, Simon Peter preaches a sermon on the resurrection. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen preaches a sermon on the resurrection. In Acts chapter 10, Simon Peter preaches a sermon on the resurrection. In Acts chapter 13, Paul preaches a sermon on the resurrection. In Acts chapter 17, Paul preaches a sermon on the resurrection. In Acts chapter 22, Paul preaches a sermon on the resurrection. In Acts chapter 26, Paul preached a sermon on the resurrection. And in Philippians 3.10, Paul writes to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Without the resurrection, we are lost. But with the resurrection, hey, we can be made alive. What it says in Revelation, Jesus said, I am he that was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. The Jewish people today worship on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath. You go to Israel and you go to Israel and you stay in a hotel that is owned by a Jewish man, there is a Sabbath button that is on the elevator that he pushes the key in, turns the key, pushes the button, extracts the key, and now the elevator during the Sabbath from Friday at 6 o'clock evening till Saturday 6 o'clock evening, that elevator stops on every floor automatically because if they had to push a button, that'd be considered work. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of laws in the Old Testament, the Mosaic laws, and there, there then were offshoots of each one of those laws, and it wound up to be over 1,300 various laws and rules. One of those being you could not... You could not venture further than your land on the Sabbath. So how they got around that was they would take a clay vessel and they would scrape up some of their land and they just held their land out in front of them wherever they wanted to go. They was never getting ahead of their land. The Jews to this day worship God on the Sabbath, the reason being, and on the Sabbath, after the creation, God rested. We worship God corporately together on the first day of the week, reason being was Jesus Christ resurrected the first day of the week. And let me tell you, 
for creation to happen, what God did, all he had to do was to speak. For redemption to happen, God had to suffer and die and then to be resurrected again. Spurgeon put it this way. Upon a life I did not live, upon a death I did not die, I risk my eternity, and the resurrection is the why. Amen. How many knows who David Frost is? Oh, gosh, forget that. I'm just going to something else. In Acts chapter 1, verse 3, Jesus showed that he was alive by many infallible proofs. Preacher, what are those proofs? Proof number one, Romans were experts at killing people. If you ever read a book that's critical of Christianity, they will get around to a chapter where it talks about the swoon theory where Jesus didn't really die. He swooned on the cross. They thought he was dead, and they took him off the cross. When Rome crucified people, they didn't do it three at a time. They did it hundreds at a time. There were possibly hundreds of people the same day that Jesus was being crucified that they were being crucified. These people were experts at killing people. They knew that Jesus Christ was dead before they allowed anybody to take him off that cross. Number two, Jesus was buried according to Jewish custom. Literally, he was mummified with pounds and pounds of ointment and different things that would cover over his body, and then they just wrapped his body. See, they did this, they did this at your birth, and they did this at your death. When the Bible talks about Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes, that's what that means. Around and around and around. The Jewish custom was it would your your arms and legs would grow straight by doing that. Don't laugh. We got strange customs as well. <laughs> Proof number three. Three days later, the tomb was empty. Now, let me get to, I'm going to give you three questions. Here's question number one. Did an enemy take the body? There's no way. And here's the reason why. Within less than two months after Jesus was crucified and, of course, resurrected, but with less than two months, there were 3,000 people that was converted. If someone would have stolen his body, they would have presented that corpse and said, wait a minute, you stupid people. He didn't resurrect like everybody's saying he did. He's right here. But there was never a body that was presented. Number two. Did the disciples take the body? No. Reason why? They were scared to death. 
They were hiding from the Roman officials and authorities, and of course not. They did not get the body. And besides that, the Bible talks about, I think it's in the book of Matthew, that where the Roman soldiers, they set a seal upon that stone where it was a type of a wax that was put around that, and then the Roman insignia was placed in that. And then they set a watch. I don't mean their Timex. That means they had a body of Roman soldiers that guarded that tomb. And they was nobody, absolutely nobody, was going to get to this body. Now, one other thing here on a courtroom type thing. I don't think this would stand up very well when the Roman soldier says, and while we was asleep, somebody stole his body. While we were asleep, the disciples stole his body. Number one, with them being asleep, that meant they would be put to death. And number two, if they were sleeping, how would they know that it was the disciples that stole his body? So all of the questions and the doubts get answered when you look at this in a logical point of view. And number three, this is the big one for me, is a corpse inspirational it is not these disciples were willing and did risk their life and gave their life they would have never done that if they had stole his body and whisked it away somewhere they'd have never done that they stood up for what they knew to be true and accurate that jesus christ resurrected and they seen him 40 days during that interval after he resurrected until he went to the father see don't ever think that oh well it's just a will of the wisp and oh maybe it's true maybe it's not jesus is exactly who he said he was and the resurrection proves that to be so again i love that up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph or his foes. The evidence is crystal clear to me. Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, for he is risen. I've been to the garden tomb. It's the only place in the world, and I thought of this when I was there, only place in the world that I've ever stood in line, only place in the world where I've ever stood in line to go in and see nothing. And thank God that's how it is. Because the body of Confucius, those bones are there somewhere. The body of Buddha, those bones are there somewhere. But Jesus Christ, he fulfilled every iota that the Father had for him. He was the one and the only one that could have been our propitiation, our mercy seat, our way back to God. And God said, here is my stamp of approval upon who Jesus is and was. And what he said, boom, resurrection. And as the power of the resurrection happened in the life of Jesus through raising him from the dead, the power of the resurrection can happen in every one of our lives. 
There are people that are strung out that need help. The power of the gospel message and the resurrection can make that happen. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about me. Oh, I don't know. Have you ever heard the story? And some of you have. 103 times. I'll tell it again, Norm. Where the guy is going home and he takes a shortcut and goes through the cemetery. How many's never heard that story? 29 people. You're worth telling it to. And as this guy's going home through that cemetery and it's 12 o'clock at night and he's scared to death, and about that time he falls into an open grave. And he is just, just jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping and trying to get out of that grave. And he just can't do it. Oh, my gosh, what's going on? I'm jumping and jumping, just can't get out of the grave. And he thinks, surely somebody in the morning will be by here and I can get out of this grave and help me out. So he just goes up to the back of the grave and kind of gets his knees tucked up there and he just falls asleep. And about an hour later, before he can even respond, somebody else has taken a shortcut and fell in the same grave. And he's got his night vision going on, you know, because he'd been there all this time. He opens up his eyes and sees this guy at the other end of the grave, and the guy's just jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping. Oh, I gotta get out of here, jumping and jumping and jumping. And he's standing there going, <laughs> and the guy says, You can't get out of here. Boom! He jumped right out and he was gone. <laughs> it's an oldie but a goodie. <laughs> there are people saying that Jesus didn't get out of his grave. Oh, yes, he did. The power of the resurrection. There are people saying that believers won't get out of their graves. Oh, yes, they will. The power of the resurrection. Amen. Little baby boy that was 18 months old, he was left on a park bench in Russia. Someone found this little boy and took him to an orphanage. And there the people as head of the orphanage took care of him, and eventually they named this little boy. They named him Victor. And about five or six years of age, the orphanage got, was contacted from a couple from California that they wanted to adopt Victor. And they went through all the legal process, and it was agreed to, yes, this will happen, but there's got to be a time frame, and it was a time frame of nearly a year. And in that time frame, this couple from California, they made a book, and it was called Victor's Book. And they sent it to him, and he would open it up, and there was a picture of his mom and his dad, new mom and dad, picture of a brother and a sister, picture of the puppy dog, Picture of what the home looked, picture of what his room looked, a picture of the fish aquarium, picture of his bed, and had the SpongeBob blanket on his bed. Every day, Victor looked at Victor's book until close to a year 
finally, the doors open up and he's presented to, here's your mom and dad. And hugs and kisses and smiles and they fly all the way back to America and they go to the house and he says before they ever get there, there's, there's my house. And they all walk into the house. There's my dog. There's my fish aquarium. Where's my room? And they take him to his room. There's my room. There's the SpongeBob blanket. The Victor's book right here. Right here. And God tells us within this book what the celestial city is like, what the river of life is like, tells us that one day that I'll be able to see my mom and dad again. All of this is reality because up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. Of all the messages that I preach throughout the year, I always feel the biggest failure when I preach the resurrection because there's just so much to it that I never get explained and don't even have the vocabulary and the know-how to do it. But hey, it's those three legs, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. We serve a risen Savior. Amen. He lives in my heart and he's waiting for me in heaven. By your heads, please. <clears throat> Father, thank God that 2,000 years ago, what Mary Magdalene, what she heard was the angels saying, he is not here, he is risen. Thank God for the resurrection. Thank God but someday I'll be able to see you. I'll be able to see loved ones that's went on. I'll be able to see that my name has been inscribed in the book of life. I'll be able to see the tree of life. I'll be able to see a city whose foundations, the disciples' names are engraved in that foundation. Be able to go to a city to where the road itself is made of gold be able to go to a city to where the gates are of pearl. But God, the most important of all, to be able to go to a city where you are the light. No need of the sun, for you are the light. Thank God, thank God, thank God for the resurrection. Lord, I'm believing that this morning, if there's someone here that needs resurrection power within their life, God, that they're going to cry out by an act of faith to a resurrected Savior that can put resurrection power within them and to help them, God, whether it's to overcome addictions, whether it's to overcome uh, uh, habits, whether it's to uh, maybe even whatever the situation is, Lord, that you're going to be able to speak to them by your Spirit. And God, they're going to know, they're going to have that birth within them today that resurrection power is for them. And God, we're believing for good things today. In Jesus' name, amen.
So far from heaven's throne Clothed in human form He showed the world the Father's love And you gave, you gave your life away You gave, you gave your life away You gave, you gave your life away My sins are gone, my debt's been paid You gave, you gave your life away for me
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.